and service of Stefan Osich. Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Living in Service podcast. It is a pleasure to have you tuning in once again for another insightful conversation with some insightful minds. This week's conversation was with the one and only Simon Cochran. Who is Simon? He is a endurance athlete and this man achieved a pretty phenomenal task. This would have been close to over a month ago now, um, where he basically beat the world record in a epic three-day endurance event called uh, Ultraman. <clears throat> what is Ultraman? Basically, it's a event that spans over three days, and it consists of a 10-kilometer swim followed by a 140-kilometer bike ride. That's the first day. On the second day, you follow that up with a 281.1k bike ride. And then on the third day, it finishes with a double marathon, which is a distance of 84.4k. So for the layperson, kind of wrapping those numbers around in your head, it's in itself, any one of those days or any one of those portions or segments of the race are in itself an epic endurance feat. And this man... And all of the athletes that turned up on the day, but this man in particular managed to do that, and he did it in a record time, uh, cresting um, under 20 hours, beating the world record by over an hour. So in itself, this is something that I was very fascinated by and wanted to really explore and go into the realms of of where one goes and where the mind goes in such grueling conditions. And even just to swim for 10Ks alone for any person, that's you're already in a very small percentage of the world's population of people that even endeavor into those sorts of distances. Much like when I had the conversation with um, John O'Riddler and where he happened to go to and what he had to kind of tap into in order to achieve his task of swimming 100 k's. Simon sort sort of shares and stems off and branches off into that sort of uh, mental approach. So this is a yeah, this is a very compelling conversation. Uh, it's, it gets a bit geeky for those endurance kind of geeks out there, but even just for the person that's not so much pursuing athletic endeavors, you could uh, really take away and leverage the tools and the frameworks in which Simon expresses and conveys. Uh, we get to explore the mental components um, deeply and how much it comes from the mind and leveraging one's self-will when there's, uh, you know, we go into the theories and forms of adaptation that's required uh, when running and when tapering and it can get a bit complex this conversation but again there is there is um, there is context as to how you can implement this um, it's all in context as to how you can implement this into your day-to-day life so yeah I thank you uh, Simon once again and to everyone listening uh, and not to hold you up any longer but if you are in any way shape or form wanting to support this podcast which I would be very very greatly um, appreciated appreciative of uh, if you could like, rate, or share uh, via Spotify, uh, Apple. 
podcasts or any streaming server in which you are listening to this on. If you could share it, if you could review it or tell your friends about it. Um, just getting it out there in the internet ether, it helps spread the message and spread the um, stories and the conversations such as this one of Simon. And just before I um, close off here, I also, this is dropped on the day of Simon's Ultraman Canada. So I've tried to coincide this with him starting that event. So this is kind of a bit of a little springboard into that if you're wanting to follow Simon and his amazing efforts. He's at it again. He's about to go onto the chopping board again, sharpening his axe right now as we speak, probably as you're listening to this. Uh, So yeah, Simon, if you're listening to this, go get it. I look forward to catching up after and we could maybe have a follow-up conversation. Uh, Anyway, I won't hold you up any longer. Um, Hope you enjoyed the conversation. And also, it was recorded on Zoom, so the audio side wasn't that sharp, um, I must admit. But for once you get into it, you kind of forget. But just to start off, there'll be a bit of that teething period. So anyway, I'll love you and leave you. And thank you for tuning in. Speak to you soon. Well, anyway, I guess, yeah, we'll start we'll start cracking. Um, firstly, cheers, Simon, for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, yeah cool. as I said. Cool. J- just to start off, um, if you could talk about um, Athletic Peaks, I see you wearing the hat for those uh, for those yep, just yep. listening. wearing an Athletic Peak hat. Could you talk about that a bit? Yeah, so that's my coaching business. Um, I've been, I mean, I've got a background in strength and conditioning, which I used to work in a gym. Um, but, yeah, definitely found the enjoyment um, in endurance sports a bit more and sort of definitely, yeah, headed, headed that way um, quite early on, um, but still use a bit of the, the strength background and the programming and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm looking after athletes, anything from adventure races, you know, 5K run right through to, yeah, multi-day ultra marathon, um, the real end of the endurance uh, spectrum mm-hmm. as well. How, how did you find the progression from strength and conditioning to endurance? Because I kind of not so much. You know, no, but I, I think I think having the base of some strength, then when I did get into the endurance side of things, it just showed how it just helped you be a bit more robust and resilient. Um, and then also, I, I think just learning, yeah, how to, how to fire your muscles properly. You know, doing doing movements and staying mobile from that strength side of things. Um, just gives you a better awareness of your body and um, I guess how yeah how mobile you are through your hips and knees Mm. and ankles and everything that you need for those endurance sports and then knowing the specific strength that can help certain movements and Mm. um, yeah help your performance okay so so I'm guessing this is how you got to know uh, Janera and Graham was that through that that yeah yep definitely yep so I worked at um at a gym in Auckland with them for yeah, probably a good four or five years, um, you know, in the gym every day with them, which was, which was real cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, so I'm curious how your progression from that, where did the endurance start for you, that whole endeavor? Um, well, when I was, yeah, personal training at the gym, um, a guy early on contacted me to see if I could help him get ready for a half Ironman. Um, I knew what they were, but I'd never been, I'd never done one or been in the, the triathlon scene or anything. So I, I set out a program that I thought would would get him there in the best shape and did ended up doing quite a bit of training with him and enjoyed it. So I ended up entering as well um, and enjoyed it, did pretty well. 
and at that particular race uh at the prize giving i won an entry to a full ironman only like three or four weeks later so i was sort of like oh well, here we go and then yeah pretty much from there it's just been onwards and upwards wow. quite, quite, quite addictive once you get into it and yeah. i personally like yeah just trialing different training techniques um to see what you respond better to and just just seeing those improvements yeah two two things to ask there first thing you must add the genetic predisposition i i presume for you to have done quite well in your first ever like did you have any other formal background in endurance for you to have done relatively no, not, not really but i i definitely knew that i was a bit more naturally i guess um yeah was probably a bit more endurance based than a lot like just back in the day from like rugby training or even like the beat test at school okay. used to do quite well at that um without any specific training so i think just the longer endurance side of things did come to me a bit easier i guess um so just work on your strengths and, and go off that what position did you play in rugby uh like number eight or blindside um okay. flanker so you yeah, were a runner so, you, yeah. you're, 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 you're yeah around. well that's it and that was naturally um yeah, yeah position that i was drawn to i guess okay. yeah for the for the um international listeners that don't know <laughs> rugby yeah check it out and you'll know what i mean by saying that, that the loose <laughs> loose forwards are the ones that are kind of like covering uh, a lot everywhere of on the paddock everywhere at all yeah. times at every yeah. right every non tackle non-stop basically yeah non-stop okay yeah but fascinating yeah so so um had a natural kind of progression but then you had the inklings of it and then the the second thing i was going to ask you mentioned really interesting point about how your body responds to the certain training so you would have been giving this athlete that had that half iron man i'm presuming you probably didn't necessarily know so much in the scheme of what's required in a triathlon but you probably had a foundational enough understanding of endurance and what was required so did that involve a lot of experimentation and giving him the stimulus of a volume for a week and then you you kind of you know reiterated it or you asked him for feedback how did that look how was that yeah problem? i mean that that was oh, 17 years ago now or something um so that oh. that feels like it was a long time ago and yeah different different world in terms of how my mind ticks in the programming side of things now but yeah looking back then it was I mean, there's, there's still no secret sessions or anything. It's just literally working out how much volume your body can handle and recover from, and then obviously slowly progressing that towards, um, yeah, whatever event you've got, recovering, and then, and then going again. Hopefully you can absorb the training, you know, respond well to what, what stimulus you're giving, and then step it up again from there. Mm. And that's, so, that's what I've been doing with my own training for like 10, 15 years. And it is just those incremental improvements um, across a long time that that makes the biggest difference for, for endurance athletes. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that with your training because I, I follow you on Strava and that's oh, something yep, yep. in itself that's just the volume, man. And I mean, I'm not surprised because we'll talk about it, but for you to have done what you've done, firstly, congratulations on the Ultraman win. It's phenomenal. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's <laughs> that like, again similar approach yes you've got 17 year backbone of experience now so was that kind of you implementing that into this uh ultraman strategy for the training and, and but then you obviously would have introduced different stimulus how did you even start to approach that programming yeah well, i mean you break it down it, it's swim bike run which i've been doing 
every day for the last 10 years. So it's just a bit longer, but the intensity is a bit less as well. So it's just working on like early on in the season for this particular build-up. I did quite a few half Ironmans and shorter, harder stuff to just lift the threshold. Um, and then as I got closer to the event, um, well, I had an Ironman about six weeks out, which timed pretty well. Um, I had a hundred mile race, which was yeah, a couple of weeks before that. So I felt like I'd got a, a good amount of run volume in. Um, mm. So then I could really work on the swim and bike volume closer towards the event and not having to risk too much by pumping out massive run volume when your body's under a lot of stress from the overall load. Like I had a couple of weeks where I was pushing 35, 36 hours of training a week, plus, you know, pretty much two full-time jobs and a young family as well. So it's a lot of stress on the entire system not not just the training but just the overall load I guess yeah that's well again more things to kind of segue off of what you just said but for those just to kind of like pause on that point the fact is you did a title you had Tarawera which was a 100 mile race what you came fifth in that right is that correct yep Yep. how many how many hours did that take Uh, that was 16 hours five minutes Mm-hmm. I actually I actually ran that race and I got okay, yeah, yeah. two and a half and that for me was like so the thought of you know it's just giving context but again obviously you've you've been doing it for years so it's it's fascinating to see how this body how your body responds and adapts in the sense yeah exactly and I think like anyone like I'm sure you were pushing to your potential mm-hmm. and you know you can only work off the work you've done so like even if we we're both working at 80 percent of capacity then yeah whatever level we're at at that stage um you know that's that's what the performance is going to be yeah. but then with this longer endurance side of things like that's where the mindset and mental stuff really comes in as well like you can have two people who are the same fitness same preparation build up but yeah you get to that 100k mark when it shit gets real that's when yeah some other parts can come into the you yeah. know, equation you can't necessarily train that well you can but in a way it's you're either willing or you're not yep yep yeah. especially at that that crunch point yeah yeah so then kind of continuing on from that you did the tarawera and then what it was like less than a month later you had iron man a full iron man yeah three weeks <laughs> <laughs> and what you came what did you come in there like top 10 yeah, that was six. That was that went pretty well. The run obviously didn't feel, you know, like I was I was fully recovered, but I was I was happy with the run. I think it was a, a two fifty six marathon off the bike. Um, so that went that felt strong, but not not fast. Like it was definitely just mm. missing a few percent there. Okay, so just those two events uh, alone are what it's it's fascinating because people that's people's year two three year maybe maybe lifetime goal just to achieve one of those events so it's yeah just- well, the whole last season has been like within the the year sort of prior from ultraman was you know a, a six hour run event a 100k race 100 mile race three half ironmans um and an ironman and an ultraman you know and that's just the events not even the training so yeah when you look back at the volume of the year um yeah it's quite a bit yeah it's yeah I, I love it because it really is a testimony to like you made the point that it's this whole endurance game this is something i'm realizing now and i'm so early in it you know you could critique me i guess but 
that it is really based on the year prior, like how much you could say it's like laying bricks, you know, that first couple of years, it's kind of laying the foundation and then you're literally building upon it. Whereas I find it fascinating with like say strength training. If you don't strength train consistently that you lose it relatively quickly, whereas endurance seems to be a bit more forgiving. Like unless, of course, unless you stop, you probably have to build back up again, but there's some sense of like, it's like a, it's like a metabolic memory. It's almost like the equivalent of like when you have become fat adapted. Yeah, I think so, definitely. And like with the strength stuff, you know, like you say, you can have a few weeks off, lose quite a bit, but then you can get that back fairly quick as well. Mm. Whereas the endurance, yeah, is just a slow burn of building up that muscle memory and um, yeah, literally that strength endurance in the body. Mm. Yeah, it's it's, it's fascinating. So um, one thing you touched on it, previously you said um you've you've moved moved home and you're a father you've got two businesses this is kind of a a big question i think for any kind of athlete at any point in their journey whether by the person that's just started or the person that's fully in or the person that's trying to go professional and are juggling the realities of life being a husband having kids having a business and in your case that that's the situation how is how has that changed for you over time and how have you sort of yeah achieved that how have you done that yeah, it's just it's just working out that balance. I mean, like everyone's got the same amount of time in their day, um, and it's literally is just um, like that saying: if you want something done, ask someone who's busy because they're they're time efficient. They they get stuff done. So alarm goes off in our house at twenty to five every morning. Me and my wife, um, she she's done eleven Ironmans herself, so understands what I'm doing at the moment. Um, but we take morning about like I'll go to swim squad and she'll go to the gym on the opposite mornings. Um, and then the other ones at home to, you know, breakfast with the kids and, and whatnot. And then work wise, I'm fairly flexible. So I can fit in my training around work during the day. Um, but yeah, I'm at, I'm at home when it counts like for breakfast time, dinner time, kids bedtime, that sort of thing. Um, and then I just try and slot my training in around to, to make it a bit smoother for the family and work. So what are the businesses? Uh, so I've got a um, business called Corporate Accommodation in Hamilton. So it's it's property management and short-term accommodation. So it's, it's pretty busy, but the, the flexibility there allows me to work from home um, and sort of not choose my own hours, but I just get the work done when, when it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And then my coaching business now, which is growing a lot in the last even six months, um so that's that's pretty much at capacity now um and now starting to work on some training camps and workshops and just other offerings that um great yeah we can start to to ramp things up there great yeah i'll be sure if you could um forward those links to me simon i'll yeah, share yeah definitely for 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 people so in terms of like taking on athletes have you got other um coaches in your pocket or is it more so just you it's solely you yeah, solely me and yeah, keen to keep it that way for now. Um, I think my approach is quite different to other coaches, um, but that, that doesn't mean something, you know, can't happen down the line, um, but it would have to be like a, a perfect fit and um, probably even be trained up by me a bit. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you, you, did, you did just say it, but like if someone were to come and see you, what? well i guess you're at capacity now you just said uh what what is it that you'd offer you would say that you could kind of say is different because i guess people are looking for that you know that x factor that that differential that point of difference 
is it more accessible for the beginner or is it more accessible for a person that's kind of seasoned somewhat in the endurance space or whatever kind of yeah I, I think it's more to do with the personality of the athlete like I'm, I'm keen to work with really motivated people who are ready to push themselves and, and commit and that that might be someone who's just getting into it and are ready to just go all in on something or that that could be someone who's right at the top of their game and ready to yeah try a slightly different approach maybe some different events um and just just step it up as well so yeah no no particular level of athlete but i think the the mindset is a big thing just being on the same page of yeah committing giving your all and yeah no bullshit really yeah that's good how how would you describe the athlete simon it's a word that i know a lot of people are aware of they know but like what's your definition of an athlete good question um yeah i guess it's someone who is striving to improve themselves in their their chosen sport um yeah it's someone who is is committed to a process of bettering themselves for a, a performance outcome or a um yeah some sort of goal mm, i like it yeah look. <laughs> good, good, just, good just off the top of the head but yeah 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 i think i think that i i agree with that because yeah it is ultimately people um have this i think this idea that to be an athlete you've got to be in an elite nba or a freaking um lean or messy and it's like no anyone as you just said that has has the willingness to work hard and is striving towards some sort of physical goal that really does and that's it and if it's just a one percent improvement on where you're at today then that's that's awesome you know and if you can do that over days weeks months years then you'll be quite quite surprised what you what you can do yeah Cool. So I'm I'm super curious. I want to get a bit geeky and granular. And I guess those listening, there's some people out there that I think, you know, just even just I think just for the for the novice or anyone that's in that realm. Um that when it came to could you first describe what you've just achieved in the sense of Ultraman? Could you break that break that down for the listener and uh, viewer as to what what you actually achieved? Yeah, so Ultraman is a three-day ultra triathlon um so day one is a 10k open water swim into 145 kilometer time trial bike and day two is a 275k time trial bike and then day three is a 84k double marathon um so i went over to ultraman australia just in may and managed to yeah win and take an hour and 28 minutes off the world record across the three days so yeah went pretty well um yeah stoked with the build up the race and i guess how smoothly it went which shows that the preparation had had gone pretty well mm-hmm. so like how did i guess yeah you, you mentioned that in terms of your your base set off of you know 15 years of experience but like getting that sort of volume and then how the adaptation works and recovery that was that you basically springboarded off of the fact that you're done um Tarawed and Ironman and then you where did you start to introduce the stimulus for this race in particular like with the, with the recovery because I imagine you would have had to have had recovery after Tarawed and Ironman or did you just kind of just con- taper somewhat flatline and then add like did you completely drop off from training after those two events to build 
No, I think like my, I guess, active recovery now, like I can jump back into swimming and biking pretty much the day after an Ironman. And I probably respond better to that than, than total rest. So it's just literally going by feel for that week after the, the race. I mean, after Tarawera, that was pretty brutal. Um, obviously, I didn't run for like a week. And then I had a couple of weeks to get ready for an Ironman. So it was just dialing in that race pace Ironman stuff with a few key sessions. Um, obviously, didn't need too much endurance because you're not going to lose too much after having run 160Ks just a few weeks before. So it was just dialing in that four minute per K pace um and then introducing some yeah race specific bike sessions um around that Ironman power and then after that Ironman yeah it was a week easy and then it was pretty much like a three to four week big endurance block um and most of that stuff was done around Ultraman intensity which isn't huge when you've been racing some half Ironmans and Ironman stuff so just by dropping that intensity back I guess the overall load didn't feel like it had increased a hell of a lot because yeah that overall intensity was down but the volume and hours of work was definitely up so it was just focusing on watching I guess the load that was going in and making sure that I was getting enough calories and recovery and yeah listen listening to the body wow so in that build in that three-week build phase for um Ultraman you'd a lot of the the long long days you'd done was at the pace of the event yeah not not far off um because for me like say the the swim pace was around that one hour 25 uh, one minute 25 per 100 meters so if i was doing stuff in the pool or some longer stuff with wetsuit on that's that's fairly comfortable um obviously when you're doing shorter intervals and that sort of thing um when you jump into a 10k straight that's that's a different story on race day and then same with the bike like i i built up to doing a couple of like 280 and 300k rides and a lot of that was not not far off um, Ironman, uh, Ultraman sort of feel and intensity. Yeah, I saw one of your massive weekends, what you did like a 300k bike ride and the next day it was a 60k run and you did a big swim the day before, same day. Yeah, so that was a good key sort of mm. preparation. Um, that that three-day block gave me a lot of confidence to know that, yeah, yeah I handled that fairly well um, and that was at the end of a, a big week as well so when you taper into the race you know freshening up a little bit um, I was confident that I was pretty ready. Mm. For the layperson can you describe tapering a bit because people it's a piece of jargon that people get thrown around uh, and throw around often but if yeah, so I guess in the in the preparation phase you're trying to increase the load and intensity and duration of your training um, as much as you can adapt I guess um, as much as you can recover from and then as you're heading towards the race you want to take a little bit of load out of the body so your muscles freshen up a bit um, and even for your mind as well it's just taking some training load off not so much the intensity you want to keep keep that firing but just the overall volume does drop over the you know one two three weeks before a, a massive event so then when you get to race day you, you feel a bit fresher and and ready to go interesting what do you mean by when you say intensity so the volume drops but intensity well how yeah, do you mean quite often if you if you drop the intensity down um your body will feel quite stale or quite um sluggish so you just just bring the duration of the intervals down low so like say if i was still doing say some efforts at 280 watts for ultraman 
and I was doing like one hour or 45 minute efforts and you might bring that down over the few weeks you know down to 20 minutes down to five minutes but you're still actually firing, firing the muscles at that intended effort um but the overall load of that session is is quite a lot less the volume drops the intensity stays i think that's a very key piece of information even even me i've never really thought of it that way but it makes it, it makes sense yeah a lot of people will just drop everything down and yes. then your body sort of goes into that rest and recovery mode um and can actually go quite sluggish and and if you're not i guess working at that race intensity at all then when you get to race day it does feel quite foreign and and um yeah and not not feel natural i imagine when it comes to um tapering for certain athletes obviously everybody's physiologically different but for say a marathon taper or say an ironman taper or hey let's even just say like a 300k you're, you're training for a, a long uh, ride effort yep. they, those taper durations i imagine they would look very different in terms of duration like yeah from, yeah um, definitely like and different for the athletes experience as well like say even a weekend like i, I just raced the hamilton marathon last weekend but the weekend before that just seven days i did a 45k trail run um which was quite solid um so for me that was okay but obviously i wouldn't be prescribing that to someone who's building up for their first marathon so it's yeah quite specific and i guess yeah the athletes um athletic age and experience as well mm. is there such thing as a perfect duration of taper nope <laughs> it's not a... nah and quite often it's probably shorter than you think like some people start to taper you know three weeks out two weeks out um but your fitness can can drop off a bit. So I think it's trialing a few of those before your big event um, and just having the confidence that, you know, keeping that intensity and probably a bit more volume than you even think up um, is okay. And this is where the piece comes in with you saying that it's years and years of experience because you will have those trials of knowing, oh, last year I did a taper of four weeks and I, I felt naff whereas this year or the year before you know you could have done two weeks and you felt pristine it's yep yep it's, no exactly so. yeah yeah so uh in terms of so I want to talk a bit about the actual um Ultraman itself the race itself what was the swim like I mean you're swimming 10ks Ooh. did you have a mantra how did it feel did you have any niggles like what what was going on there for you in that in that first stage? Um, so there were a few other quite quick swimmers. So it actually took off like, you know, almost like a half Ironman or Ironman effort race for that first kilometer, um, sort of battling out for, for position. Um, the water conditions were, were pretty good. It was a little bit choppy, a little bit windy. And the course was sort of two massive out and backs, like, you know, 3K each way, which in the water looks like a really long way. Um, Felt pretty good. Um, I got into the lead at about a kilometre when one of the other guys, yeah, dropped off. Um, and then another guy pretty much sat with me most of the way. I knew he was just a really good swimmer and wouldn't be a factor for the rest of the race. So I wasn't too worried about having him there. And it was actually quite nice to have a bit of company. And um, yeah, that body felt pretty good. Um, being in the salt water for that long and like your tongue and mouth gets quite sort of swollen and dry and just having that salt in there all the time but you were allowed to grab a drink bottle off your kayak guy who was oh, wow. guiding you along the way um so he's so probably you, you're, you're swimming and then just 
Yeah, the guy wow. chucks, a, chucks a bottle into you. You have a quick wow. roll onto your back, have a quick skull, chuck it back and, and go. So probably did that three or four times during the swim, just enough to, yeah, get some calories in, but also just to wash the mouth out as well. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. And the long open water swimming, like your lower back gets quite sore just because like you're looking up and sighting quite a bit. So that just loads up that lower back. And then obviously you're, you're rotating and kicking a lot um, with no rest or recovery or push off the wall like you do in the pool. Mm. So just the overall load, yeah, starts to sort of eat away at you. But I, I paced it well and actually felt strong and, and really enjoyed the swim more than I thought I would. Like it was mm. sort of coming around the the last boy and we had a k and a half to go and i was sort of like oh man it's you know it's nearly done you sort of i'd hyped it up a bit more in my head i think um so i guess yeah the the long swims in the in the pool did pay off um because i got out feeling pretty good like you stand up and run up the beach to your bike and um yeah probably just felt like a an iron man swim by then so it was it was good with with the sighting, um, for those listening that don't don't understand, I'm aware it's just to kind of see that you're on on target, but also you don't have a foot in your face. But in your case, you're in front of the lead. But is that kind of the main reason for sighting? Seeing if you're kind of on route. Yep, exactly. You want to take the shortest shortest route possible. I mean, there's a bit of swell and current. You can get you get thrown off quite a bit. And if you're just breathing to the side, like you've got no landmarks or anything to to guide you. Um, good thing about this race is you did have a kayak guy who was there, so you could sort of key off him like he was obviously heading in a straight line so you could just stay like a couple of meters off to the left and we're pretty confident that you were heading in the right direction but you still it's still up to you to know which way you're going so you still got to check every now and again so you're not swimming yeah an extra like some people i saw their swim files afterwards and they'd swum like an extra four or five hundred meters um which all adds up quite a bit definitely how was your how was your route it was pretty good. It was bang on. It was like, yeah, 10,080 meters or something. So it was, yeah, couldn't have asked for a, a straighter line, really. So what was the, what was involved in the calories? Like what, what, you, what was the composition of that nutritionally? Well, so across the three days, I was pretty much like 99% tailwind. So just mixing up the, oh. the mixture, um, all liquid, just keeps it nice and simple. Um, it's what I train no solids. on. No solids couple of like snickers bars on the day two bike okay. because you're out there for seven hours just yeah. mainly for Break, uh, yeah. something something to eat and change it up <laughs> a little bit but it was literally 99 percent um tailwind strong mixture and then a little bit of red bull and coke at the end of the the bigger bike day just for the same thing something different and a bit more caffeine and yeah okay so again that's something that you'd have to train to tolerate because some person the person listening to us will be like oh tailwind that's the that's the secret and they're probably going to end up having extreme gastric distress yeah so that's that's part of the whole thing is is literally training your stomach to be able to handle a lot of nutrition because the more you can get in without it obviously affecting you the more energy you've got to to play with um so yeah so that's something i really worked on in my key sessions and the build-up is is pushing the limits of how much can you can get in you know wow so what, what i'm hearing a lot of is like in preparation for this you're almost pushing on that red line of going to the intensity and going to the distance except obviously you're just dialing it back while introducing all the stimulus as as close as you can to the day and then that's really a lot of what the training stimulus is in this build-up it's fascinating it's just not really 
what I guess I've kind of got some sense of it being that way, but at the same time, I'm quite surprised. You know, you'd think, you know, kind of like a marathon, for example, again, it is a different different discipline, but you're never really going to train the 42.2 kilometers in your train. You'll probably go like 36K. See, or, that's, that's the mindset that I don't have. Like most of my oh. people I'm training for a marathon are running a marathon a few weeks out in training. So they know straight away, locked it in their head, I can run a marathon. That's done. amazing. Because you, you hear about people talking about the wall, you know, oh, I hit the wall at 32K. Oh, what was your longest run? Oh, 32K. Oh, I hit the wall at 35Ks. What was your longest run? Oh, 35Ks. So it's like quite often that can just be a mental block. Like they hit that mark, the longest they've run before, boom, body shuts down. It's nothing to do with your conditioning or your fueling. It's all in your mind. Um, wow. You know, marathon gets hard. Like, obviously, you can't do that for 100 miles, but I did yeah. a couple of 90K training runs, which aren't sort of recommended or, or definitely not normal. But shit, I think it definitely helps. Yeah. Fascinating, Simon. <laughs> no, I had a, I had a yeah. first, first time marathon guy um, running in Hamilton just last weekend. And yeah, I got him doing a, a 42K run, obviously broken up in some intervals with a little bit of walking rests here and there, but he got, he ticked off 42Ks like um, three weeks before that. Wow. Um, and for his mindset, that was awesome. You know, he'd done his first marathon before he had had to line up for his first marathon. Um, Interesting. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's where I'm probably a little bit different. Like some people would not schedule in a marathon before someone's done their first marathon, but um you imagine the mindset of turning up to that marathon knowing you'd done the distance and it might only been 20 or 30 minutes longer than your longest run you were going to do anyway. Um so why not push it out and get a little bit more more benefit. Yeah, interesting because that's so contrary, but it, it, again it makes sense and I and I actually really I resonate with it because it makes sense somehow. I don't know how, but it does. Because my my one of my um, coaching clients at the moment is actually my sister, but I'll call it my coaching client. Yeah, and she's got her first uh, marathon coming up, and I've approached it kind of similarly to what you said, but not so much for distance, but for time. She's yep. wanting to yep. get. She wants to. She said she just wants to finish. I was like, well, I know talking for you that you can't finish it it's like one aim for a goal so we yep. put goals out there and she said about four hours so i was like okay so in her peak peak run i'm going to get her to do a four and a half hour run because yep. mentally kind of what you've just said which is kind of i'm cool it's cool that i came to that conclusion not so much focusing on the distance but i'm going to get her to push past the time she'll be doing on the day yep. because of yep. that mental barrier she'll oh my god i'm three and a half hours in and but then knowing now no, i did a four and a half hour training run this yep. Yep. day it's yeah, yeah definitely that's that's a good idea yeah far out it's it's cool it's it's very interesting i just wasn't definitely not expecting that so because even in um in that peak weekend i want to talk about the ride next that you had done a what 300k which is more than the um second day of the actual race yeah and it was actually two hours longer than i spent on the bike on that day too um so yeah so obviously same thing just you, you don't know how your fueling is going to work if you don't do it for the, the full time, you know, like I needed to know that I could drink the tailwind mixture that I was planning to use. And I needed to know that like my lower back and hamstrings and, and everything could handle that because I've got quite an aggressive aero position, could handle that position for a long time. Um, and I didn't know how long the ride was going to take, like it's quite hilly. Um, the race actually went 
quite a bit quicker than I was expecting. So I was expecting to be out on the bike for sort of eight hours. So I thought, oh, we'll push the ride out, you know, a little bit more than that. But then race day, day two at Ultraman ended up averaging nearly 38k an hour. Um, and yeah, it was seven hours, 18 minutes or something um, for the yeah. 275k's. Are you allowed to listen to music on, is it like Iron Man? No music, right? Yeah, no music. Ultraman's full open roads. So you're obeying like stoplights, giveaway signs, everything. You're on your own out there. Wow, you got to, there's, there's, there's traffic. traffic yeah, lights. no no traffic control at all. So there's, yeah, I had to stop at three traffic lights, um, which is pretty, pretty stressful, but everyone's in the same boat. There's a couple of roadwork sections, like big, long weights that a few people got caught at. I was real lucky with those um and yeah stop signs give way signs and so there's cars trucks everything out there on the road as well so nah definitely no music <laughs> yeah yeah good i guess you're probably used to it now because for iron man right you can't that's part of the rules yep yep so uh do you have like a mantra or something that you run through do you have any sort of kind of uh tools or don't want to give away too much right but like what's what's kind of a go-to um tool where you know you, you could say that someone that is kind of in that that fear of because a lot of people can't um not listen to music while training even just going for a walk or a gym they can't they can't they're not used to it Do you yeah any- i think i think i've just slowly built up resilience to be able to do those long hard tough sessions and i think when when it comes to the crunch on race day you got to realize that if you if you want to go fast it's it's going to hurt a lot and it's going to hurt for a long time and the more you can withstand the the faster you're going to get it done you know so like if you can can crank out a quick ride and run you get to the finish you get to stop you know the harder you push the quicker you get there um yeah the more the suff- more you suffer the, the quicker you're going to go um and i'm not turning up to these events to enjoy them as such like i enjoy the the process and going up there race day is hell like you are in the box for a long time um but the reward you get from after that is yeah worth it and i think just having done quite a few and nailing a few races um yeah you know that feeling at the end when you deep down know that you dug in in those deep dark spots where it would be easy to just ease up or pull off or you know do a few things so i think just when you get to that crunch time just ask yourself like you know can i give a little bit more and 99 percent of the time there's always a little bit more in there you know yeah. who is it um i think it's goggins where he says that eh? when, you, when you think you're given 40 percent. no when you yeah, think- yeah 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 no i'm a big big believer in a lot of his stuff um he's yeah. he's quite hyped up but he's he definitely um has got some good good uh yeah yeah i agree he's yeah people almost put him in this pedestal and really he's just doing his thing but it's valuable it's almost overlooked the simplicity of his of his message and what you're saying, it's kind of in the same vein, like you're really going out there willing to and prepared to suffer, which is yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Have you have you explored any form of um like like spiritual um paths in the sense? Because a lot of what Buddha talks about in Buddhism is that life is suffering inherently and kind of going from that sort of adage. Is that anything ever that you've sort of No, I'm not really. I mean, I've done a little bit of meditation and stuff in the past. Um, yeah. but literally too busy at the moment to to fit that in um but it, it would be cool to explore that definitely and i think that that could be quite cool when like down the line i'm probably going to look at some multi-day races where you start to yeah probably 
you know, hallucinate, go through some crazy, crazy stuff where, um, yeah, some of that stuff might be quite cool to add into the preparation and be able to just another tool on, on race day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you'd thrive into a passioner, which is yeah. a different challenge retreat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of um, weirdly, um, yeah, would be quite keen on one of those, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will help. It will help. Yeah, definitely yeah. No music. There's definitely no music of a passioner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you're done. So you're done the swim with the um, ride. And then the second day was that, what, 200 and what is it, 90? 70, 75. And then the third day, so the thing, the thing about this the, um, Ultraman, I think people as an endurance athlete can't, um, won't understand is that you're inducing your body to such strenuous load and back-to-back days. That's where I imagine where, the, where it gets very hard. Is it fair to say that it's that? Yeah, definitely. And I think also just the amount of calorie deficit you're in after two days of, you know, day one was six hours, 40, day two, seven hours, 20. And that's pretty much going max for those two days. And you can't get that amount of calories back in to be, you know, fresh as a daisy for day three. And same thing, just the the delayed onset muscle soreness is already kicking in. So your body's pretty achy, pretty sore, and you're just tired as well. Like you're not sleeping that well over the first two nights um, and getting up early. And then also just literally living on that sugary drinks for two days. Your body's already in a bit of a a state of shock and um saying what what the hell's going on and then yeah day three you've got two back-to-back marathons to to run yeah how so how did that so how did that start what what were you feeling like at the start of the line for that day the third day um i was pretty excited because they'd put the time down that i needed to run to break the world record um and to go under 20 hours so i needed to run like six hours 17 for, for two marathons um, so that average pace was 428 per K and I was sort of like, Oh, that's, it's doable, but yeah, you can't sort of think too far ahead as well. Um, but yeah, did, did a kilometer warm up before the run and it was raining and windy and, and pretty yuck. And we started in the dark with head torches on and everything. So just got into the zone. There was a couple of guys that started pretty quick. So I just sort of tucked in behind them for a couple of Ks and then pretty quick they were gone and I was out, out front by myself. Um, we had paces that could jump in and and run with me and carry some drink bottles and just provide a bit of chat and mm. um, that sort of thing. But yeah, just got into my work and and really ran pretty well. I turned at the marathon mark in two hours fifty eight and was wow. quite surprised. Um, yeah, that I had <laughs> had run that quick as well because um, my GPS on my watch was playing up a bit, um, so I didn't sort of know. Yeah, I thought I was in the realms of like 305 maybe. Um, and that's what I was sort of planning. Um, sort of 305 out, 310 back. And that would be, yeah, enough to get it done. But ended up being 258 out and about a 306 back. Um, so ran, yeah, 607 and managed to go in 19 hours, 48 minutes. You know, you know now the way that the, these athletes these bloody athletes were okay you've got a you've got a bullseye on your head now <laughs> yeah yeah definitely it's good it's it's yeah. that's the thing that's the thing like whether it be um, endurance sport whether it be any sort of physical feat that when someone sets that precedent kind of like i.e roger bannister yep. once you set that mark well it was literally like a couple i think it was a couple weeks yeah, later yeah, yeah yeah another four guys have done it or something yeah 
yeah have you seen um bit of a bit of a tangent but still within the realm of um within uh triathlons is that uh that english fellow right now that's trying to beat the iron cowboys 101 oh yeah 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 he's going pretty well too yeah i think he's day 68 or something yeah yeah and he's doing the same course every day i think yeah yeah yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing with this whole sport, which is another reason I wanted to talk to you is just type of mentality required, and I think it's radiating from you um, that it, you seem quite stoic and 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 pra- quite uh, pragmatic. Is that the word? Black and white, which I think is a testimony to a lot of the endurance athletes that I've met. Like, you've got charisma and character and. Um, you know, a uh, 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 you know, uh, personality. Yet there's kind of behind that. There's just this deadline focus. <laughs> yeah, I think there has to be like there. Um, you have to be confident in what you're doing. Um, you know, whether you've got to coach yourself or you're coaching yourself, then you just got to believe the plan is is the best for you. Um, and when you're heading towards these big big goals, doing those massive weeks, like you know, every session makes a difference and you got to believe that every session that you're doing is is getting the most out of you i guess so mm. that's yeah. where that's that black and white it's like yeah if it's not worth doing like i won't be doing extra things just because um especially when i've got a big goal coming up it's like everything's focused towards that whether it's training sleep diet um yeah every, everything like that yeah and just ticking off different parts um just gives you that confidence heading into race day you know Mm. building those bricks eh? yep yep yeah yeah literally with with um want to talk about your nutrition like obviously on the day you use tailwind what's kind of the scope of your nutrition just in your day-to-day because with that volume i doubt you're going to be having tailwind every day to for your recovery right so now so main focus is on on protein just getting that recovery in after the bigger sessions and hydration is pretty key as well. Like a lot of people can feel like they're hungry, but quite often they'll just need more fluids, more salt, more electrolytes. Um, and then, yeah, just topping up with enough carbs and fats, um, depending on, yeah, what, what your volume is at the moment. I'm not super strict with my eating because I do burn a lot. So I do need to get, um, you know, a lot of different meals in. But we, we eat well at home. Like it's it's... It's pretty much like a, a paleo gluten-free based diet um, with extras added in when I have those big days and big weeks. Um, yeah, mm. like I'm not holding back on anything and I'll have, you know, a couple of beers a week. Just it's um, mm. got to keep that balance. Good on you. So you say um, not super strict, but it sounds like you're, you're fitting within your framework of, say, paleo gluten-free, but in, in that you're not, by strict you mean like calorically like oh getting all your macros like down to the point yeah never never measured food or whatever like at the moment if i'm hungry i'll eat and most time if i'm not hungry i'll eat because i need to like it's it's just part of the training literally is part of the recovery process like if i'm not if i'm hungry that means my body is yeah not recovering as well as it as it could so get you know another protein shake or another meal in um it's not like i'm going to be putting on a lot of fat at the moment when I'm yeah training upwards of 20 to 30 hours a week um body just sort of soaks that up really uses it as energy um like a few of the weeks when I was really hungry and eating a lot you sort of expect shit 
might put on a couple of kilos this week, you know, in your mind. And it's just like, no, nah, this stays the same, you know. It's just so it's good to know that body is using it. Um, yeah. yeah, don't 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 be scared of the calories <laughs> when okay. the training load is is that hard. And deep down, everyone knows what they should be eating, you know. Like, you know, if it's a good meal or if you're having shit, then that generally makes you feel good at the time, but shit later, um, and it's not going to help you with recovery, you know. So, just keeping processed foods out as much as you can you know saving that for a bit of a treat and um yeah just good whole foods really no i like it it's it's real realistic uh with i'm curious how much this has changed over the years like yeah you've been in for 15 years and from there to now how much has your dietary intake and requirements you could say how much has that changed or has it much been the same have you always been quite within that realm of paleo nah, huge huge differences across the years like early on it was all about you know carb loading this carb loading that, and you go into a race just feeling bloated and full and three or four kilos heavier um so yeah so there's no carb loading or anything now like before a race as we're saying, you taper down for those couple of weeks. So your energy expenditure's a lot less. So even if you're eating the same, you're storing a lot more calories and carbs in your in your body anyway. So there's no need to go and, you know, have an extra five loaves of bread or, you know, yeah. heaps of potatoes or pasta or anything. Just stick to your normal what you do week to week and you'll be absorbing a bit more in there um as well. So yeah, definitely a lot more balanced and um less stressed about that side of things now yeah i imagine i'm curious your approach you would have come to realize the effectiveness and efficacy of um being more fat adapted is that is it was it was that part of that approach or what do you think in that yeah I've, I've been to the extremes there like i've i've been carnivore for six months um and felt amazing as well um but yeah i think for this longer stuff now when you're trying to push the boundaries like you need some carbs in there Absolutely. You know? and um i've found that that helps a lot but there's definitely a time and a place for some yeah lower carb higher fat training um but for most people if you're just eating a nice clean diet of whole foods it, that's naturally a bit lower carb and higher fat anyway so yeah. there's no yeah. need to to turn it into a diet as such it's just choosing the the right things um and not getting carried away with with that yeah, nice. Far out, Simon. I think you might have another client on board. <laughs> it's good. It's good. This is, these are all, I'm kind of asking because it's a bit, it's it's within the realm of how I am, how I'm viewing it. So it's really refreshing to know that, you know, you're looking at it that way. And I think it's true. It's what you just said that ultimately, if you're eating a whole food diet, you are naturally going to have lower carbs or the carbs you have are going to be very rich in quality. They're not going to be those. Yeah, know, exactly. If you eat less food from a packet then yeah. you're going to be doing all right you know yeah i love it uh, at the end of the day a good, a good thing is you go into the supermarket you walk around the outside of the aisles and leave and you can pretty much get anything you need um yeah plus maybe dip in for like peanut butter and olive oil or something and that's yeah, about yeah. It. That's what i was gonna say they're <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Eggs, eggs too they tend to yeah, be yeah slightly nudged Yep, oh, cool, yep. cool. So um, I won't won't hold you up too much more, Simon, but I'm also curious because being that you came from a strength um, strength training uh, background, that how much you affected that into your own personal training and training with clients and coaching? Yeah, so when, when you've got, you know, when you're training 30 plus hours a week, the, the room for adding in 
specific gym sessions is is pretty small and for for general athletes that I'm coaching unless they've got a specific weak area that needs some targeting then most of the strength work is done on the bike and the run so it is that specific run hill strength or um you know faster running that sort of thing um and same with the bike bigger gear work hill reps that sort of thing that's working on specific strength which is going to get them more performance than gym work um for their particular goals and races um in the off season you know there can be a bit more just you know body weight or some gym based strength stuff added in but in general yeah if someone's got a weaker area like say the glutes or calves or anything like that then yeah we'll jump straight in and, and work on strengthening that up but if everything's firing well and there's no real issues then prefer to program specific um endurance based things that are going to help them perform better in the events that they're they're going for mm-hmm. yeah and in terms of your your personal strength because yeah, you said you do a lot of yeah yeah so same thing like at at the moment i've got a couple of like um like one side of my lower backs just um flares up before the other um so i'm just working on that specific point at the moment so it's just working on a bit of um side bend strength and a bit of plank core strength um on that side and a bit of mobility um but other than that i'll do you know like five or ten minutes a couple times a week after a bike just of some basic squats lunges mobility work that sort of thing and that gives you a good idea of of where you're at and um yeah how how you're working Mm, mm, uh, nice so when it comes to um i guess for for ultimately what i'm hearing is that for the person that is wanting a certain goal you're approaching it in the sense that their strength and conditioning is in the specificity of that goal is that kind of you but you intensify the effort yep yep. i think if if people had unlimited time then yep good three strength training sessions in the gym a week would be awesome and that would be on top of their endurance program but for most people who are working full-time have families and that sort of thing they're going to get a hell of a lot more bang for their buck to do another bike session or run session or swim session if they're looking at performing at a at a certain race if they're not looking at performing at a certain race and they want to be stronger or you know put on a bit of size or or that sort of thing then yeah you can sacrifice a a bike or run session for another strength session but for most people they're training towards an event and Mm. to get more performance out of them they're better off doing some more specific endurance work unless there's an area that needs focusing on yeah okay so how do you sort of pinpoint that would you just kind of have an analysis with them like they'll send your video you'll yeah well generally like getting feedback off sessions like if someone's saying i've got some sore areas or something's a bit tight then we can do a bit of analysis or if they're seeing a physio or that sort of thing then we can um yeah just narrow in on certain areas but generally if, if everything's going smooth and it's going well then you don't want to introduce something that's totally different either especially if you're getting closer to races and that sort of thing as well so I like it. That's again, yeah. Contrary to mind you, I'd say in the endurance space, there's a lot like majority of the people that I've been paying attention to um, outside of ultras specifically, they tend to not do too much. Um, but then there's a little sub pocket within ultras specifically where they're like, yeah, uh, trail, trail running in that. I think you know, they, yeah. you need a lot more strength and. And support around your knees and ankles and hips and that for the, yeah. I guess, the agility and, and moving. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Because um, what's his name? Uh, that Alexander Sodokin guy. Even, yep. Yep. He's got the hundred k world record, and he even does a bit of strength training. So that was good to see. I yep. Was, yep. But he he's same thing. He's a full time athlete, so that's all yeah, he does. That's so true. I guarantee, if he had two jobs and a young family he wouldn't be running half the miles he's doing and he wouldn't be fitting in his gym sessions as well. So you can't look at those people and think that's the norm as well. Like yeah. that's the ideal, but yeah, you've got to sort of yeah, work out the time you've got and what best bang for buck for your hours and what you can yeah fit into your week really. I like that. It's good. That's very true. i uh, got, got another couple things I want to um, yep. ask yep. Simon is, we, we kind of touched on it somewhat, but um, your protocols for recovery and how that's changed over time for you personally. Yeah, um, I mean, I get massaged a couple of times uh, every couple of weeks, just a good, you know, hard sports massage, which which I like. And it's mm. just a really good time to lie down for an hour and relax and turn off, you know, everything um, and just get iron out some slightly tighter areas and that sort of thing. Um, I sauna probably four times a week at home and got an ice bath as well so just really enjoy that um for the mental side of it as well just a bit of a challenge of pushing yourself in the heat and the cold but it also does help relax the muscles and then after each session like whether it's a bike or a run i'll be doing just five minutes of mobility and stretching on certain areas that are a bit tighter than others um and then as i say it's just the good food protein hydration sleep all the the key key things Quite, quite sim- simple, but very effective, especially yeah. if it's five. Because Jen, Genera, she put me on these um, exercises for just to kind of help my dorsiflexion range of motion a bit, just for my squat and yeah. just a little impingement. Not so much an impingement, but just a bit of tightness I have when doing pull-ups. And really, she said, you only need to spend a couple minutes just before you go in. And I'm like, oh, you kind of had this idea you need to spend 20 minutes. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Even like I, I do like the couch stretch for your hip mobility. Um, and I'll do that two minutes every side before I get into bed, like on the bed every night. And that's just a non-negotiable. Um, and that just helps obviously free up posture and being tight from biking and running and general sitting that most people do. And that's that's probably the number one stretch for most people, not only for opening your stride up and your running, but also just for your general posture and um yeah helps keep your lower back a bit looser and, and everything as well yeah for those listening google couch stretch because I've, yeah. I've, I've got work to do it's yeah it, yep. my god when i first did that i was like <laughs> yeah you see some people do it and you're like well that looks like it's easy to get into that position and then you, you yeah. do it and it's yeah a bit of a wake-up call with how tight your hip flexors and quads are I saw Kelly Star. He's got it from him, and yep. when I saw him do it, I was just like, "Oh yeah, it looks." <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even think I'd got my knee completely fully in that yeah, yeah. state, and I was, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, so, and then um, in terms of your next, what's on next for you, Simon? Because no doubt you've you're just probably opened this pathway in your soul, yearning for just pushing, pushing. You yeah. Know, so. Um, Love the Ultraman. That obviously went very well. So I'm I'm jumping into Ultraman in Canada in five weeks. Um, oh wow! Yep, and then that's with the eye on the World Champs in Hawaii in November. Um, so it'll be two more Ultramans before the end of the year, um, and be taking a big group of athletes to the Blue Lake 24 Hour in Rotorua in September as well. Um, so I might 
jump back in and and have a run around that lake as well which um what's what's the blue lake 24 hour so that's literally 24 hours of running around the blue lake that 6k track um Mm. you do as many many laps as you can so that that was my that's still my longest run i did that last september and managed to win and run 201ks um non-stop around the blue lake so that's on the 24th of september this year i think it's a free event it's um yeah yeah it's a huge huge event like you get five or six hundred people you can go and run you know two laps three laps laps, 30 laps whatever um cool atmosphere and um yeah really good when when is that uh 24th of september i believe that weekend so yeah they've got a website i think it's just blue lake 24hour.co.nz and um yeah cool event yeah oh, great that's yeah well sounds like you're stacked and then obviously looking ahead it's just you're just going to keep nailing this nailing this pocket eh, of endurance you're going to just yeah i think just push the push the boundaries a bit more some some longer runs and yeah some other adventures and challenges definitely awesome so uh for the person that's wanting to take that first step whether it be a 5k whether it be the ironman whatever it may be what what would you say to someone that's coming to you and saying, if there's any few words, Simon, just to point me in the right direction or to, you know, I guess I'm, I'm going to presume that they're already willing to do the work. Let's yep. presume they're willing to put in the work and, yep. and hurt for this goal. What would be something that you'd sort of suggest? I think it always comes back to consistency. So it's just not getting too carried away and just ticking every day off as it comes. Like that's, that's the main thing. It's like, someone who's consistent across even months and weeks and years um, is going to always be at a higher higher place than someone who's bouncing all over the show and that sort of thing. So there's no secrets. Like if, if anyone's out there saying, oh, we can get you to this in this amount of time, it's like, nah, you'll, yeah, you've got to put in the work. And I think it's just being ready to, to put in the work for a decent amount of time. Um, yeah. And you'll, you'll surprise yourself um, if, you, if you commit. Yeah, I love it. So I'm gonna uh, if ever if ever you're in Auckland, um, Simon, I'd love to go for a run with you or something, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yep. Now I'm up there, but so I'll, I'll keep in touch. And same thing yeah, if cool. you're down this way. Awesome, man. Yeah, it'd be good to yeah just be amongst get that leg turnover. Something I've been working on um in this last year is focusing on cadence, and yep. I've noticed just how much dividends it's. I'm getting quicker, but I feel like it's less effort. It's quite yep. profound yep. what that does. So. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, any, any tips and whatnot. But, um, yeah, Simon, appreciate you taking the time, bro. It's been a very interesting conversation. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah same. No, good to chat. I'll uh, we'll have to do it again. Yeah, definitely. Next time it'll be with a camera in person. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yep, come down. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate it, man. Well, I'll, I'll be, um, I guess, I'll share all the links before your stuff on my end and um, – for people wanting to reach out, I I presume your Instagram handle would be the best best bet. Yeah, that's always easy. Yep, yeah. definitely. So cool. Yeah, I'll add that in the show notes, folks. But yeah, appreciate it, man. And um, yeah, have a good rest of your day, eh? Awesome. You too, man. Cool. See you. Catch you later. Well, folks, how did we go? How was that conversation? What did you take away from it? You take any notes? you find it insightful you find it a bit hard to understand why it's okay you can listen back to it (laughs) and you might be able to pick up more facts figures and pieces of information uh, that kind of form that puzzle 
uh, as I've just dropped this, um, it is day one for Simon in Canada, and he is at record-setting pace. He's already at, um, reached the record for day one, which is the 10k bike ride, and I believe the 140k ride. Sorry, 10k swim and 140k ride. So yeah, he's already under a cracking pace. So if you're wanting to follow that, I'll add this in the show notes. It is under Simon Cochran. But by the time you're listening to this, it may the event may have passed. But if you're listening to this on the day of me releasing it, he has just accomplished day one and he's already at record pace. So sending all the power, um, strength, and mental resilience to Simon. Um, to everyone listening, sending send your thoughts to him as he's conquering yet another unfathomable task. So anyway, back to the show. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Um, thanks a lot for taking the time. And as I mentioned in the beginning of this intro, if you could please like, share, review, or if you had the time to like, share, and review, this would be one of the most effective ways of supporting this podcast and getting it out and reaching it out to more people, more ears, more listeners, and more potential lives to change because the people I'm speaking to, much like Simon, have that capacity and have their ability to plant a seed even if it's the smallest slightest seed that seed can grow into a tree that will be immovable so anyway i thank you for tuning in to yet another episode and look forward to speaking to you again much love